This is Sarah Gonzalez with the National Grain and Feed Association, and I'm here with Bobby Frederick, also with the National Grain and Feed Association, to discuss um, how advocacy has been like on Capitol Hill during this COVID-19 pandemic. Bobby, thanks for talking with me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Sarah. So I'll just get right into it. What has the atmosphere been like on the Hill with you trying to do your job during this pandemic situation? Well, thank you. Um, you know, on the one hand, it's it's been eerily quiet. You're talking about building in a complex that receives about three to five million visitors a year, according to the architect of the Capitol. And for the most part, it's been closed to visitors for almost three months. Uh, public tours have been canceled. The vast majority of offices I've talked with are telework only. Those that are open are operating on very much reduced staff. Uh, so that's that's been a huge change on how quiet it is. Uh, mm-hmm. on, on the other hand, the month of March was hugely significant in that Congress passed three different coronavirus response laws uh, that totaled around $3 trillion. If you think back to the financial crisis, that was just under a trillion dollars and how much attention that got. This was over three times that. And so that takes a lot of work and a lot of hours to both craft that, execute it, implement it, uh, that type of significant response. So in most Hill offices, your staffers are responsible for certain issues and they kind of just focus on their expertise areas. But the senior House and uh, Democratic and Republican staffers I spoke with all described uh, all hands on deck approach where they were focusing on answering any type of constituent question that could come up, you know, directing us for the Paycheck Protection Act, uh, the pay leave provisions, even some constituents that found themselves out of the country when the uh, pandemic really took hold and how to get folks back into the country. So uh, pretty wide ranging. Uh, it, it's also a tale of two chambers. You know, the House has five members and pretty significantly uh, House Democrats changed their rules to allow for proxy voting. So you could have a member vote on your behalf uh, so that you would not have to come mm-hmm. to Washington. Uh, and that's the first time that's happened in 231 years in the whole history of the House. So uh, House Democrats have updated their schedule and their calendar. Uh, they aren't going to be in and voting the entire month of June. Now, some of them will be in doing committee work, uh, but they're really trying to minimize the amount of time they bring lawmakers back uh, just because of they're in a reasonably small chamber and there's hundreds of them at a time. So uh, meanwhile, the Senate, uh, 100 members, much smaller, they are expected to be in session and voting the and every week of this month. So uh, they have changed their schedule, uh, not as much as the House, but it's definitely resulted in some changes. So constituents have still been able to get a hold of their representatives and their staffs, it sounds like. Yes. And I think just with the in some cases, you know, the the workday, I I wouldn't say it never really ends, but uh, Mm -hmm. folks are on call a lot more just given the how 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 big the stakes are with some of the constituent problems they're facing. Sure. And so in normal times for you, you are having you normally would be interacting with a lot of people in one day, sitting in a lot of meetings, shaking a lot of hands, which people aren't really doing anymore. Um, So for personally and for lobbyists in general, advocating on behalf of agriculture and other industries, how has it changed how you need to do your job? Well, I guess first I'd say here's what hasn't changed, you know, the importance of relationships and contacts. It's really hard to imagine a scenario where relationships become unimportant. And especially during this time, uh, if you have relationships and and contacts in these offices, uh, it's been great for you because you're able to, you know, 
uh, cut through and, and get your priorities through. If you don't have relationships, you can still make them, but it's harder because like you said, it, it used to be, you know, going up to the hill every day or every week, but we're now in the month of June, 2020, and I haven't physically been up to the hill in about three months. So mm. at the same time, I've spoken with or emailed or texted with Hill staff every weekday during the pandemic and, and most weekends as well. Uh, because again, it's just, this is pretty unprecedented. They have lots of questions uh, about a $3 trillion program. Uh, and, you know, they want to know of our industry's concerns. So I guess I would say instead of burning shoe leather on Capitol Hill, we're polishing up on how to hold Zoom meetings and other video conferences. Sure. Um, so do you think this kind of operation will continue this way for a while or what What do you, I know you can't predict, but um, how do you think the atmosphere will change for the rest of the year on the Hill? Well, I, I think you're going to see it's important to think of these Hill offices as their own separate small business. So there's 535 of them. I think you'll see a range from anywhere between some that will kind of operate business as usual, have full staffs in. I think that'll be the, the exception. Uh, and then you will have some, the, probably the most will be telework only. Uh, and, and, and quite a few will be very much reduced staff. So uh, I think meeting meetings on the Hill, that will be up to every individual office. I've heard of some saying that they're going to want to meet with constituents only, or they will severely limit the group size. So the traditional fly-ins of which NGFA plans a couple times a year, uh, you know, those are not possible right now. I mean, they're, they're not taking those meetings and if they were, they would want, you know, a handful of people there as opposed to the dozens that we usually bring out. So uh, right. I think we just have to, you know, adapt to that. And, uh, you know, I'd love to get in some ways that our members can continue to advocate and be heard during this time uh, when it comes to our priorities. Yeah. Can you go over some of those ways, how our members can improve those relationships with their representatives? Sure. And I, I think the, the easiest time consuming uh, that's still effective uh, to influence policy is our advocacy tool, uh, ngfa.org slash advocacy or if you go to our main page, uh, it's right at the top of the screen under the word advocacy. Uh, there are resources that we have there so that you can call, email, or tweet at your lawmaker by priorities. And I think right now we have a waterways funding priority up there. But, you know, be on the lookout for new issue areas and, and new votes coming up that we need to, to impact. Uh, so I, I feel um, it's an important one. It can sometimes feel like a drop in the ocean when it, when it comes to emails going into a legislative office. You really need to generate volume there. Uh, but so I would say another way that our members, the second way, I guess, would be uh, direct member and staff outreach. And I've found that most of the time that NGFA members who do utilize our advocacy tool are more than willing to take a more targeted approach to advocacy by reaching out to a member of a Congress's staff. So in that scenario, I would work with you on crafting an ask, and then our members would send that email and execute it. Uh, and in many cases, having a constituent make an ask is really going to be what gets something over the finish line. Uh, because, again, they're all about how does this impact my, my constituents, my district, my local part of the country. Uh, and that's something that our members can do uh, that I can't because I, I live out here in, in, in the D.C. area. Right. Uh, you know, members know about NGFA, but they care most about uh members of Congress do at least about how this impacts their constituents. So again, I think that's a one-two punch of a national trade association being present every day, every week on the Hill combined with, you know, the home constituent appeal. Uh, I think it's a really effective. If folks that are listening are willing to do that, 
I reach out to their member of Congress or staff. Uh, you know, just it's always good to know if people that are willing to do that. So just just email me. Um, Great. I think another way uh, that we've really utilized quite a bit, uh, number three, I guess I'd say is answering the call. Quite a few inquiries from the Hill and the uh, government agencies uh, about our views or, you know, how would this program work? Because, again, they're not in the grain feed space. Uh, they're in the governing space, so they really want to hear from us. And so if we have our industry experts uh, that can help provide those answers, it's going to make for more efficient and better government programs. Uh, and so the, the quicker and more credibly we can respond to the Hill, I think the more highly we're sought after as a, as a national trade association. The fourth way I would say is just call us out of the blue, or another way to put it is if you see something, say something. Uh, if you see a policy that impacts you, if you have an idea that would be helpful to your business, uh, just let us know. You know, at its core, advocacy is 100% about storytelling. And so help me mm -hmm. be a better storyteller, share content, share new material that will help us to convey our views and, and our issues. Uh, another way, uh, members of Congress have home ag advisory boards. Um, and so inquire if your member has one or if they're accepting new members to it. Uh, see if they have a grain and feed perspective serving on it. Uh, quite, quite often they're, they're uh, uh, participated in by farmers. Uh, but I've, I've obviously a place at the table for the grain and feed uh, sector is important. And then I guess the last one I'll cover here is the fly-ins. So whether virtual or in person, I really believe these are still uh, juice that's worth the squeeze coming out to D.C. or participating in a video conference with your member of Congress. We've obviously been utilizing the latter quite a bit during these last three months. Uh, it's just good to see people, frankly. You know, you're used to coming into offices and being able to interact that way. Uh, it's not uh, as possible right now. Uh, but the Zoom meetings are, are definitely uh, something that members are, are doing, and it's a good way to convey our our. Those are some of the ways that folks can stay involved, and I'm sure we'll keep thinking up more. And I appreciate all the, okay. all the people in uh, NGFA that have helped us with this so far. That's awesome. That's great. So let's go over a few of those ways just to break them down real quick. Going backwards, sure. fly-ins, virtual or otherwise, contacting NGFA with issues you're seeing, emailing your members of Congress, calling your members of Congress. Did I miss anything else? Uh, the advocacy tool, feel like a good first yes. approach. Uh, and you're right, that, that loops into it. Uh, and again, the, the emailing members of Congress and particularly their staff, um, the staff are, are more the subject matter, matter experts and getting on their radar. They, they have the ability to influence uh, their boss. And so, yeah, I, again, I'd be happy to work with and craft a, a targeted message for them that will hopefully increase our chances of success. But yeah, that's a good rundown. Thank you. Great. Well, Bobby, I think we covered it. Thanks for the information. Thank you, Sarah. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Take Bye.